welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. To the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, we're going to be looking here this evening at all 27 verses. Good evening, welcome to Sunday night worship here at Broadway Baptist Church right here in Lexington, Kentucky. We are going through verse by verse through the book of Exodus. We are here at the point to the first song in the Bible. Have you ever ever wondered, what's the first song ever written? Have you ever thought about Moses was a songwriter? Have you thought about you know, how so much of music, where does it come from? Uh, where is, what's the roots of the music? And it's actually rooted right here in Scripture. It's rooted, it's praising God. God gave us music, God gave us a song, God gave us praise to actually give Him thankfulness, glory, and credit for everything. We have a come to the Lord in a song in a thankful spirit. And that's what we're going to see right here in Exodus chapter 15. Our very first song in the scriptures by Moses himself. It's something that Israel sang. The Israelites passed through the Red Sea. They came there and then Moses held... uh, uh, he got to the other side, he pulled down his staff, the water, the walls fell on the Egyptians, they all perished, the Israelites lived on the other side. And what do they do? They have a time of rejoicing. Their celebration is important in the life of a Christian. When God answers a prayer, when the Lord heals you, when God touches you, you want to make sure you celebrate, you take time to pause and give him credit where certainly credit is due. And that's absolutely what we see right here in Exodus chapter 15. So we're going to be reading this. We're also going to be looking at this, how the Lord, really, I I titled this, God Provides, because this is about God's provision. And we'll flip over a little bit and look at Genesis 22, because the Lord's name is actually Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. You think about your needs, and you think about the needs of your family, the needs of our nation, all the, uh, all the needs around us, and we want to have the confidence when we approach the throne of the Lord that He will provide, and He does provide. That's so, what's so powerful about uh, His name, that He is a God of provision. He doesn't leave us empty. He doesn't leave our cup lacking, and we just want to cry and call out to the Lord Absolutely, so he certainly provides. So go ahead and turn your Bibles. Follow along here in your scriptures. We're going to be looking at the first song. So this is for all the songwriters out there. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Who's the audience? The Lord is the audience. When we come to church here, when we come here to this beautiful sanctuary, our audience is the Lord. That's who we give credit in, or who's our audience of one. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. That's recapping what occurred with the uh, passing of the Israelites through the Red Sea. They allowed the horses, the chariots, to perish, to die. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. What's powerful about that? The Lord is the one who won that battle against Egypt. It wasn't anything Moses did. In fact, the Israelites, they uh, really struggled in, in following um, some of the leadership of Moses. And we're, we will see that more and more. Moses f- 
struggled following his call. But now God is saying, I am the warrior. I am the one who beat Pharaoh and who freed my people who were in slavery. And who's his name? The Lord's the warrior. His name is the Lord. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. The elite of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. Lord, your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew your adversaries. By your great majesty, you unleashed your burning wrath. It consumed them like stubble. That's what the... When God wants to destroy us, you know, we remember, think, about, think about the creation of hell. You know, the only time the Lord destroys us is when we have rejected His Son, Jesus, as Savior. And hell is a place of eternal separation, eternal fire. It's a place created for those who've rejected the Lord. Disobedient, evil people. Th- those who constantly kick against the goad, as the book of Acts says, reject the Lord, they find themselves in a place of hell. And that is this burning wrath. God does not allow unforgiven sin, people who are sinners, to come into the presence of, in the presence of his throne. It's powerful words here. We're reminded that stubble is the result of disobedience. The waters heaped up at the blast. From your nostrils, the currents stood firm like a dam. The watery depths congealed in the heart of the sea. They held back. The enemy said, this is what the, uh, Israelite, or the Egyptians said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. So there was this this desire where Egypt felt like we got them. They're going to get stuck. They're just in the middle of the sea. We can go there and steal their stuff, capture them, and just take all everything they have, their families, and make them slaves again. My desire will be gratified at their expense. I will draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. That was what the Egyptians were thinking. They believed they had them trapped. They're headed into a a bad... They went the wrong route. They didn't go up towards the Philistines. They went down towards the sea in the wilderness. And now they're crossing. For whatever reason, they're crossing the middle of the sea. I'm sure the Egyptians are thinking, Wow, we've got walls of water. But here they are. They probably don't realize what's holding back the water. And then all of a sudden, they went in for the kill. But it was the one, they were the ones who died. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? These are questions saying, God, you're so great. Who can match you? Look how great you are. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. You know, your holy dwelling, that's a, a, a holy dwelling is where the Lord lives. 
God has redeemed us. I mean, think about what the, this scripture is. Incredible verse here. Verse 13, he's saying, God, you love these people. You will, you will guide them throughout their life. You've redeemed them. And you, where do you guide them? You guide them to your home, the holy dwelling. Your people, the people you've chosen, the people Jesus has saved, God guides us. This world is not our home. As much as we love America, as much as we love our world, it is a broken, fallen world. We live in the days of Egypt. We live in the days of wickedness. Politicians, countries, policies, they fail. It's human nature. We're sinful, we're selfish. The Egyptians looked at the Israelites and go, I want to conquer them. That's my people. Those are my workers, and they went on after them. And that is what we see, where God is saying, no, these are my people. And what's sad about this is we know what's going to continue to happen throughout Exodus. Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. They re God's people reject the Lord. Verse 14. When the people hear, they will shudder. Anguish will seize the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. Trembling will seize the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan will panic. Terror and dread will fall on them. They will be still as a stone because of your powerful arm. Until the people pass by, Lord, until the people whom you purchased pass by. Until God's people get to the whole promised land, God's land, the people will literally live in fear. God's plan and purpose for us is for us to have complete trust and confidence in Him. The Lord provides. And these other people groups, soon, they don't know it now. Moses doesn't realize what he's singing about. Moses doesn't understand this song. These people will be terrified, not because of the great strength of the Israelites, but because the Lord is guiding the Israelites. They are His people. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your possession. Lord, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. The Lord will reign forever and ever. This, the sanctuary were built by the Lord's hand. God has a plan and a purpose for, for us. And what's powerful about this passage here, this song we see here, is it's a reminder how it's, all the victory comes for the Lord. God is our provision. So this message here is about providing. God provides in our life. He, he, he knows our needs, and He certainly meets them. I want to share in the Old Testament the great story of about why we worship on, you know, this scripture here we just read about, talked about the temple, and about God's holy dwelling, and about the place of a sanctuary and worship. That will end up being, we know, soon, it will be Mount Moriah. That is where the Temple Mount is in Jerusalem. Mount Moriah isn't just any old place in the Bible. God called Abraham. He said, Abraham, you take your one and only son, who's the child of the promise, you and Sarah, and you go and you sacrifice your son. You go and you give your son of the promise, one that I promised to give you, you give him to me. And Abraham, it says, he obeyed the Lord. 
He did not doubt. He did not question. He says, God, you are a good God. You provide. I don't understand it, but Lord, I trust in you. So what did he do? He took his son. He tied him up on the mountain. That was Mount Moriah there in Jerusalem. This is why we, this is why uh, this is why Jesus went and worshipped on Mount Moriah. The temple was built at this location. It says, the angel of the Lord, look at the scripture. God said, don't lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. You, you have not withheld your one and only son from me. Now, this is a picture also of Jesus because God does not withhold. Just like Abraham was faithful, God is faithful to us. God did not hold his one and only son for us. Abraham looked up and saw rams caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. So Isaac didn't have to die. This ram died in his place. God provided. He first thought he had to, Lord said to offer his son. But then all of a sudden there was a, a, a substitution was made. And it ended up being the ram that was offered. And look what God says. And Abraham named that place, Mount Moriah, the place of worship, the place that Jesus went and preached at. It's called the Lord will provide. The place of sacrifice, the place that we go to to honor the Lord is called the Lord will provide. And he does. He provides. You come here to church, he provides. God is a great God who loves his people who absolutely provides. And it says, So today it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. When you have a need, when I have a need, what do we do? We need to have the trust and the faith in the Lord that He will meet that need. And there's many needs in our life. And this need here, Abraham didn't want to give up his son. He had a great need. He had received a promise from God that his son was going to uh, make just like sand on the seashore, just the stars in the sky it was, it was a, his legacy was going to continue and obviously he didn't have an animal sacrifice so his son was going to be the sacrifice Moses had a need he was back against the wall he escaped here come the Egyptians in pursuit and the need was God says here just t let, take down the staff the waters will fall the waters fell and they all got to dry land and destroyed all of the Egyptians. God provided escape. God provided a sacrifice. What's your need this evening? What does the Lord need to provide for you? Are you going to the, the Lord and praying and asking God to meet that need? You know, I think about we are in a sermon series right now on Sunday mornings on prayer talking about how God provides, God meets our needs. And so much of that is just realizing, Lord, I can't do it, but you're a great God and you can. And that this is Christian discipleship. It's easy to talk about. But many, many times in our life, we have to come to the point spiritually where we just fall to our knees and we cry out and call out to the Lord, says, Lord, I can, but you, I can't. But God, you can. You provide for my needs. Keep going here in your Bible. Look what God's Word says. When Pharaoh's horses, this is back in Exodus chapter 15. When Pharaoh's horses with his chariots 
and horsemen went into the sea. The Lord brought the water of the sea back over them. So God, again, he's the one that's doing this. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophetess, Miriam, Aaron's sister, that's also Moses' sister too, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women came out following her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. So Miriam picked up on Moses' song. They're singing. She picks up her tambourine, and she starts playing the tambourine and praising the Lord. And all, everyone's singing, excited about what's going on here. They're dancing. They're giving God the glory. There's a sense of excitement here. This is such a high, high point in Israel's life. But now we're going to shift here to the need, the latter part of Exodus chapter 15, the need for water. And God provides water. The people start to complain. They start to grumble. They're like, Moses, we need some water. The water here, Mara, is bitter. We're thirsty. If you're in the middle of the desert, obviously you want something to drink. Verse 22, Then Moses led Israel onto the Red Sea, on from the Red Sea, and they went to the wilderness of Shur. This is in the Sinai Peninsula. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Merah, but they could not find water to drink at Merah because it was bitter. The water was just no good. It was bitter water. This is why it was named Merah. The people grumbled against Moses. What are we going to drink? Like they're coming to Moses and says, Okay, we just passed through the Red Sea. Moses, you've brought us out of slavery, and we've been walking around for three days, and we are hungry. You get that combination with people. They're hungry, they're tired, they're exhausted. I tell you, when you are physically and spiritually weak, do you know what you start to do? You start to grumble. You start to complain. You start to whine. When you're tired, hungry, many times food and water... It satisfies you. It's what you need to be more happy. And what's, what we need to see here is the people are starting to, to gripe to Moses. And look what Moses does. Moses, so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. So there's a tree. He says, look at this tree over here. Moses chops down the tree, chunks the tree into the water, and next thing you know, this bitter water is good, clean water that they can drink. The Lord made a statute, an ordinance for them at Merah, and he tested them there. He says, If you will carefully obey the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, pay attention to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will not inflict, inflict any illnesses on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, look at this, who heals you. One of the great promises with the Lord is God also heals. God is a healing Lord. Moses here, he had a group of people who were complaining. You know, they were just hungry and they start griping. And God says, listen, this is how this is going to work. I want your full devotion and commitment. You trust me in this wilderness. Just like you witnessed how I provided you with this water how I provided you, taking you through these plagues and leading you through the Red Sea, killing off all Egyptians. My people need to completely 
trust in me. Can you say that about your relationship with the Lord? This evening, do you completely trust Jesus in every area of your life? Have you trusted him with your church? Have you trusted him with you as your pastor? Have you trusted Christ with your family, with your job, with your internet usage, finances? He calls us it. He's saying, look, I am the Lord. I want you to be careful, not casual, but careful. My people are holy. They're set apart. There's something different about my people. They live as holy, godly people in this wicked and perverse culture we live in. We are called to be different. While everybody else is going one direction, everyone else is going pro-choice, we're pro-life. Everyone else is saying, let's get on board with the sexual revolution. We say, no, we believe in biblical marriage. When everyone else is watching garbage on movies and television and immorality, they're watching this junk, we say, that's not for my eyes to see. And folks are listening to types of music that are filled with, with uh, cuss words, with language that's just uh, putting down others. It's not holy. We say, that's not for my ears to hear. I don't want to listen to that stuff. No. God is calling, saying, you pay attention careful attention. You do what's right. And part of sanctification, part of that holiness is constantly examining, even getting other people in our life. Do you have someone who could speak truth into your life saying, you know, you need to be more careful about this. This doesn't look good. You can easily present yourself and that will find yourself into temptation when you start staying out late or doing these type of things or going to these places. You know, sin, you carry around a snake long enough, it eventually will bite you. Sin, it bites. It eventually will get you. You play with fire. The old saying, you play with fire. What happens? Eventually, you're going to get burned. I remember I once was talking to an electrician, and I asked him the question. I said, sir... Name was Wayne. He said, Wayne, have you ever been electrocuted? He smiles and says, you know, every single electrician at some point has been electrocuted and been shocked at least once. He said two or three times. And you know when it happens? It happens when you're not paying close attention. It happens when you start to get casual. You're not thinking about, if you have gloves on, thinking about if the power's turned on. When you let your guard down, and I want to tell you, when you let your guard down, you don't realize your guard is down. You're in a hurry, you've got a mission, your mind's on something else, and bam, it happens. In our routines is our most dangerous, our most vulnerable times. Jesus is telling us, Moses is calling the people, God is speaking to his people and says, my people need to be people who pay close attention. The Lord heals us. If we have been inflicted, if we have bitter water, if there's bitterness in our soul, you, do you know anyone who's bitter? There's so much anger today, hatred. No, people aren't happy. They, 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 they hate their enemies. Do you know here in our culture today, there are, more, there are some people who are more loyal to who they watch on television than their own neighbor because their neighbor votes or supports a different ideology or different political party than they do. 
And they are more loyal and faithful to someone who doesn't even know who they are, who's basically on TV wanting them to buy their book and follow them on social media and share their stuff to promote that person. That person will never know the other person. Yet you have a loyalty to all the wrong people. God wants us. We live in a bitter times. We live in the days of Merah, the wilderness of Shur, where the water's bitter. And the Lord's calling us to trust Him. This last Bible verse this evening, it says here. Then they came to Elam. If you go out in the country, that's why you always see churches called Elam Baptist Church out in the middle of nowhere. This is why. Where there were 12 springs and 70 date palms. And they camped there by the water. God provided. God provided them with good, clean, pure water. Moses threw that tree in and it became pure, drinkable water. And then there were springs and date trees. The Lord provided for his people. I'm asking you this evening, have you trusted in God to provide for you? Is the Lord someone you call Yahweh Yaira? The Lord will provide. God, I trust in you. You know my needs. I'm asking you to provide. When your back's up against the wall, when people are starting to grumble and complain, the Lord is saying, just, just carefully be faithful to me to obey. I want to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer here is, I'm going to pray for you, for God to provide for you, for your family and for your needs. Why don't you bow your heads? God, I pray for those listening this evening. I pray for those that are in need of a provision. Lord, you provide. Yahweh Yireh. Lord, I pray for those that who are in difficult, dark days. Lord, grant their desires of their heart. They have a heart and a desire for you. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I pray we take these words and we live them. As Moses tells us here, we pay careful attention to our lives. Lord, we pray that we respond to you. We pray that we trust in you with our finances with our families, with our jobs, with our time, with our health. Lord, we're yours. God, we give you this message. Seal it on our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. This was the very first song here in the Bible. First song you can always ask. What was the first song ever written? It was Moses' song that Israel sang after they passed through the Dead Sea. It's absolute truth. You know in the book of Revelation, the last song, we will be praising God as well. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, our lives, our lives are be singing to the Lord. We thank the Lord. Let me know if you have any prayer requests. Let me know if God is speaking to you. You can certainly reach out. You can certainly attend. We will be starting our Sunday evening services in person on September 12th. So we'll be meeting here on Sunday night, September 12th, in person at 6 p.m. I'm excited about it. It's been about a year and a half since we had in-person worship regularly on Sunday night. God bless you. I will see you online next Sunday. We will be here for part two of The Lord Provides. It's going to be about how God provides manna and quail. God bless you. I will see you next week.